Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, CEO here at Scrum.org. Um, Today's podcast is going to be pretty awesome. I'm uh, excited to be talking to Stefan Wolpers, uh, a PST who's just finished a new book called Scrum Anti-Patterns Guide, uh, which, you know, I had the opportunity to review and to look at when I uh, worked on the forward. And there's some really good stuff in this in this, in this this book. And it's, I think it's going to be incredibly useful in um, in the community and in with people that are practicing Scrum. Anyway, but before we talk about that, welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Dave, thanks a lot. And thanks a lot for having me. It's a great pleasure. Very welcome. Before we get started and start talking about anti-patterns, which is why we're here, maybe you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're talking to us from. Oh, I'm located in Berlin in Germany, so I can... Uh, see the rice tag, so to speak, from my from my windows here. Um, well, background, uh, I studied chemistry. I never worked in laboratory, though. Um, I spent all my professional life in making hard and software. And uh, like so many other people, um, Agile found me, you know, a long time ago. So almost 20 years. And um, uh, I stayed with it uh, ever since. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. I'm on one of your uh, lists, I think, on LinkedIn, where I get a, a newsletter every, I think, week uh, of your revelations and experiences. Um, so it was, that's why I was so happy that you started writing this book, and it's part of the professional Scrum series at uh, Addison Wesley. So great. So let's let's get in it. Let's talk a little bit about sure. Anti-patterns, which uh, it's uh, always uh, uh, evil patterns is another way of describing it. I, I guess there's there's a lot of scrum books around, right? There's, I think, well over 100 in English. So as I love whether they're about retros, whether they're about, you know, how do you do scrum? What is scrum? Pocket guides to scrum. So... What, what was your motivation for writing this particular Scrum book? Oh, the, there was a, quite a bunch of motivation. First of all, um, I started the book with writing a series of blog posts, and those were a form of venting my frustration with one of the projects I was working on. So I uh, used my commuting time. You know, we hopped on a train every every Monday morning and uh, went uh, to my client. So I, I used the time uh, productively and wrote about this. And um, over time, I, I I collected quite a um, quite a, a lot of material, and I thought, okay, maybe this is uh, something something bigger because um, all the books you mentioned are the great books. I have a lot of those in my 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 bookshelf. Um, they all have this idea of okay, how can we how can we turn this into something amazing? What what's what are best practices? Uh, air, air quotes here. Um, what shall we do to actually uh, be successful with uh, implementing and, and using Scrum for the benefit of everyone involved, namely our customers? And I thought, okay, you have a different perspective. Uh, you start with, okay, maybe we we get good at practicing Scrum by avoiding uh, the usual stupidities that we run into. 
So this this inversion of the learning principle, uh, I would love to claim this for me, but uh, it's been around for for a long time, you know. So if you if you uh, if you like investing, you certainly uh, have heard of of Charlie Munger, and he's a big fan of that. You know, you can't avoid to be become to become a rather decent investor if you just avoid the stupidity of of others. And uh, there's so much stuff around. You can learn from almost everyone. <laughs> so that's the fun part. So I I, I flip this perspective. You know, it's a bit like a pre-mortem that is also flipping the perspective or uh, a liberating structure called TRIZ, you know, where you um, deliberately ask, what can we do to ruin something? And uh, that leads to actually new insight because you changed the perspective. And that was my my whole idea. And of course, um, there's a very selfish motive because uh, writing a book means that you actually have to, to deal with the content at a different level. You know, churning out a blog post is one thing. Writing a book is something completely different, I can tell you. So it was the first time, major experience, and um, I'm, I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> recovering. I think that's an interesting phrase. You're, you're right. I mean, obviously, we we have a lot of editors, both technical and content editors that have been you've been working with, which is always great. It may, does make you think because when you you can say something like oh x in in the book and then you know on a blog post you get away with just saying that in a book you have to actually put why there's a lot more detail which is which is great so the if if you look at that that the, the book it it's actually almost a sort of anti recipe guide <laughs> you know there's there's all the chapters of, of each of the you know the the uh, key events or the key artifacts in Scrum. And then there's a series of, of um, anti-patterns for each one of those. Uh, is it, You could almost just dip in and dip out. Was that something you were looking for when you wrote the book? Yeah, absolutely. It's snackable. Um, so my idea was, okay, maybe someone who's not that experienced with running a daily Scrum or facilitating a daily Scrum, let me put it this way, um, may be interested in just uh, getting a brief understanding what might go wrong. And so th that was my idea, make it a companion, you know, of everyone. So keep it simple, um, snackable, easy, you know, it's, 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 I would be surprised if people, uh, were to read it from cover to cover. Of course, you can do this, but it, it's not intended to be that. So it's it's more kind of a website printed between two four-color covers. <laughs> <laughs> it is. What I thought of it when I looked at it, I remember my mom always, she had one of those recipe card boxes, and she would like, when she was making a cheese sauce or she was making a this, she would bring out one of those little cards and use it. My mum's not, a, I'm English, though, obviously cooking isn't isn't in our DNA, as it were. Um, so she'd bring out these little cards. And I, I felt that that was very much what this book was, which was which was great because there's many days I need one of those cards when I'm about to enter a sprint review or a sprint planning session. So Tell me a little bit about which, you know, which the most frequent anti-patterns that you saw. I mean, it was inspired from that, those train journeys to your client. So they're probably the ones that stick in your mind the most, right? So all, all the, the, the anti-patterns you see in the book, I personally experienced one way or another, not just with this one client, but with a lot of other clients. Um, 
So uh, that, that was my idea. Um, there are some anti-patterns derived from job ads, but that is part of the appendix. Um, but other, all, all the other ones I've, I've, uh, I've realized and uh, experienced personally, you know, so it's a, it's a really, um, yeah, um, a more kind of diary <laughs> um, <laughs> with a bit of added information. You know, the cool thing is, I mean, if you write a blog post, you, you can just, just quickly, you know, you, you rant about a thing and you have a few few lines here and there and then, then you're, go you're good to go. It, it's fine. In the book, it's different. You know, so I'm always trying to understand, okay, why are the things the way you observe them? There's always a reason for it. You know, there's always some rationale behind it, very often at a system level or at a personal level. And my idea was, okay, look, how, how can this be useful? So what, what I try to, to help the readers with is actually provide some sort of um, recipe um, to get thinking about the situation. Okay, why is it the way it is? And how may the team or even you, the reader, have contributed to the situation? And probably what can we do about it? What might be a first first step to actually um, overcome this, this, this situation? And there's significantly more to it than, than meets the eye at first glance. It's, it's absolutely amazing when you start digging. <laughs> so that's also the reason why the editing process was uh, was so great uh, from my perspective, because um, it was like you know, playing, playing ping pong with someone knowledgeable about what you wrote. And they got back to you and said, you know, this is not working, you know, and this is a contradiction, you know, and uh, it was really the fun part. What anti-patterns are really frequent, mm, I think I try to, to create a taxonomy of anti-patterns at the meta level, so to speak. And what I found was that there's one category that is really popular with a lot of organizations. And uh, I think you can summarize them with applying practices from a different era to Scrum. Uh, it's a classic management tactics um, that are very, very well suited to undermine Scrum and uh, deprive it of, of, of its uh, purpose, so to speak. So normally you might be doing something that resembled Scrum. You know, you do all the events and, you know, have you printed new business cards. Now you have a product owner. It's no longer a business analyst. <laughs> but uh, de facto, they're, 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 they're not doing it. Uh, so that is certainly a very, very, very uh, large uh, category where you can put a lot of stuff in. So an example being percentage complete on a task, task yes. management, you know, all of this sort of, th those kind of things, status reporting, yeah, demos, totally. you know, yes. Yes. Uh, detailed analysis, sprints, things like yeah. that. Absolutely. Status reports. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of status reports. I wrote a lot of those in my past and I hated it all. Um but there might be a situation where you may be at the beginning of introducing Scrum to the organization and your stakeholders may not be totally familiar um, with, with the new world. You know? And I'm, in that situation, I, I'm, I'm completely convinced that you need to bait the hook and feed the fish. You know, the, the bait needs to be appealing to the fish. And if that, in this case, is uh, a status report, you know, you don't call it a status report, you 
maybe call it it's an invitation for the for the sprint uh, review right if you just summarize what what's been accomplished you tell a story you know where you have a hero and, and a villain and how you how the hero managed to overcome the obstacles and uh, how they lived happily ever after something along that line totally fine right uh, maybe you don't want to do this for two years but in the beginning my goodness if that takes to get your stakeholders to the sprint review i'm all in right so it's it's really not black and white i know there's a lot of shades of gray and um, you have to pick your your shade of gray uh, uh, that is uh, compatible with the situation it's interesting we talked you talk about status reporting but the um the 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 asking why is a really interesting question of your stakeholders why they want the status you know because what are the one of the changes with sprint reviews from a status reporting to a actually a positive and a great scrum experience is the participation by the stakeholders you expect as much from them as the people that are pr pr preparing and creating the review that you know the scrum team so getting that participation sometimes you can really get at it when you ask that why and i think you wrote about this you know getting into the why is it a status report why why what do you need this for because you may discover that they need it to feed another engine so maybe those stakeholders should actually be at the sprint review as well there may be some they may want to contribute and help. So, oh, well, hang on a minute. Let's find out what you could contribute, where your area is. It can really change the dynamic of everything. But instead of just saying, no, we don't do status reporting and telling everybody, no, no, no stop doing that. The scrum police are here. You actually lean into it and try to find out the why. And I think that 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 I think super interesting and something I hadn't actually thought that much about until I until I read your book. That's that's the whole idea. It's it's not a recipe book in the sense of okay, you read a chapter and then you're good to go and you will never experience a bad sprint review again. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I like to imagine that I would be that good, but I'm definitely not. Um, no, it's more a question of um, think about this. Um, what of these uh, of this bouquet of thoughts? Uh, what the origin or the, the the reason for this behavior is might apply to your situation, and then pick something and think about okay, what can we do about it? Maybe take it to the next team retrospective and 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 uh, explain it to your teammates, uh, folks. I, I, I believe our problem with uh, our senior VP who insists on having status reports is the following. You know, A, B, and C. How, what can we do about it? It's it's not about that you come up with all the solutions immediately by scanning a few pages in this book. Uh, I mean, I would be surprised if that 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 would be working, right? Yeah. Um, it's more about um, changing the perspectives, getting a few new ideas, and then take it to the next level and ask other people, okay, how can how 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 can we deal with this issue here? And, and I really liked the fact that sometimes we have been accused in our community of being the scrum police, the, you know, you don't do this, stop doing that, do this. And, and there's no why, there's no context, there's no something. I'm hoping we never do that. But one thing I really liked about the book is that it, it, it really refreshed that, that whole thinking. You know, it, it isn't about, yes, there are some things that don't necessarily help 
at a daily scrum or sprint review or sprint planning, et cetera. But instead of instantly just saying no and leaving everybody feeling a little bit incomplete, we lean into them, we focus on them, we dissect them and we explore them. And then that gives us the power to inspect and adapt and, and improve in the retro or in, 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 in other events where we get to improve the process. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So interestingly, and I know we haven't got long, so I, 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 but I do want to touch on one thing. So I really uh, sprint planning. I, 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 sprint planning is so many challenges from so many organizations, particularly as they wrestle with that sort of meta problem of old world meets new world. So talk a little bit about sprint planning. What patterns in particular in sprint planning, anti-patterns, sorry, in sprint planning did you discover on your journeys and write about? I think the most notorious is always that um, you you bring a bunch of work items and then you try to squeeze them under a sprint goal because the Scrum Guide says so, <laughs> um, which of course is uh, not the way it's intended to be. Uh, we remember <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> It's also the part in the, in, in, in the class that takes the most time, the sprint planning, actually. This idea, okay, the product owner brings the business objective to the sprint planning, right? Then the team collectively creates uh, a sprint goal, a meaningful sprint goal that aligns with the business objective. Then the developers commit to it. And because they do, they're allowed to pick the work to make this happen. Checks and balances, right? This is, it's a basic principle. It's not that complicated. If you take into consideration that Scrum is about outcome, you know, we want to improve the lives of our customers and um, contribute to the uh, sustainability of the organization in the process, of course. But it's, it's not about output. I mean, in a complex environment, if, if you write a bit more code, it doesn't mean that you create more value. We're not assembling fridges here. And if you if you apply this 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 idea, this, this uh, dare I say, mental model, <laughs> To the whole challenge, uh, life becomes brighter. You know, then you can actually start thinking about okay, mm, okay, maybe that is not a good idea, etc. Right. So that was uh, really it's the the, the meanest one uh, by all means. You know, so uh, yeah. trying to find a sprint goal because the Scrum Guide says so. Uh, just to to um, be able to summarize a bunch of unrelated work under one goal, which of course is usually not helpful and not manageable. Yeah, I think I, I see that all the time and it certainly resonated with me. The, <laughs> the, the lack of good sprint goals ultimately are illustrative often of a, of a, of a fundamental problem around work versus value and getting at the heart of that can suddenly turn work teams into value teams. And, and I think it's, it's in, incredibly interesting, all hidden in this very simple little anti-pattern, which is, which, is, which, is, which is great. I agree. So There's a lot of benefits to cover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we can get motivated teams that clearly understand the value that they're trying to reach and empower them and sort of de-shackle them from the, the challenges of uh, that get in the way of that, 
I think all goodness happens. And I think that's that's the sort of theme for the book, right? This is a guide for freeing your teams from those anti-patterns. I like this picture of breaking shackles. It's very well. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 is good to break shackles. Uh unless of course you're hanging above a big pit and then it's good to just hold on to them. So um Stefan, we try to keep these short. We could talk for days on these, and there's an entire book designed to encourage this conversation. Uh so thank you for spending the time today and introducing this book to our to our listeners. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. It was a great pleasure. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Today, we were joined by Stefan Wolpers uh, talking about his new book, which is called Scrum Anti-Patterns Guide. It uh, should be available, there, but just check Amazon.com or any of your favorite publishers, and I'm sure you would find it. Um, it's an absolute interesting book that talks about all those sort of things that you see in your teams that maybe are not necessarily as good as you would like them to be and gives you some fantastic tips for approaching them and maybe turning that realization into a thing of value. Um, so thanks for joining us today on the scrum.org community podcast. I was your host and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join many podcasts in the future. Keep on listening and scrum on.